Hi, I'm Aaron Singh. This is going to be the podcast where we're going to present and speak about business, property related, property related business, entrepreneurship, loads of different things, and um, which we feel like will bring value to other people. And um, there's so many different aspects of why we're planning to push a podcast. Um, this is Thaddeus Brown. Hi. Um, he works with myself. He's a freelancer. Obviously, he will introduce himself as well. But just to give you some more information about ourselves we're going to introduce ourselves quickly um i run a company called calico properties it's an investment company based in central london and well we're going to be scaling to different cities eventually so uh that's really the small amount of information that is about me but we're going to indulge into my property journey and my experience in terms of what i've been able to create um thaddeus please introduce yourself I'm Thaddeus Brown. Um, as Aaron said, mentioned earlier, I'm currently freelancing. I, I'm a freelancer, freelance creative, but I'd say like I dabble in um, creative consultation and kind of content creation. So I come from a um, background of content creating before it was content creating because people have different ideas of what it is. But anyway, I kind of got in, into it via music. That was my first kind of introduction into kind of creativity and creating content creating kind of things for people to consume I guess that's mm -hmm. where my love for like creating stuff began and that kind of grew into video into social media so designing graphics for social media um later into a kind of proper design role and experience that I had um and now I kind of have a bunch of different skills so I kind of do a bit of motion graphics a bit of photography video design um bit of web design mm -hmm. as i'm sure we'll get to um well just to kind of explain that so we've kind of so what is yeah so what's our kind of relationship i guess let's segue into that's that's a natural segue sure. right there. um i think well, you wanted to start so like so from when we actually first got into yeah so how we actually know each other oh okay sure so oh, we both yeah. went to the same school we both went to the same isn't school. an arts and media school yes um, now called something else i think it's arts and media school isn't it now okay yeah mc yeah mc um well because it's it was iams before innit? but now they that's, call it mc yeah that's okay. probably why they changed it because <laughs> iams cat foods yeah wasn't exactly the one. exactly yeah um that's where we grew well i didn't necessarily know you in school because you were a couple yeah. of years younger than me yeah um, but you were friends with Darius and Joel. Mm -hmm. um, I was it, well, his older brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, when we first met, when you, you, we weren't, you weren't on, we weren't in the same um, pathways that we are in right yeah, now. No, I was in Very A different. levels when I first met you, and I wanted to become an investment banker at that point. Um, and I had, and that was probably at the stage where I was just getting into music at that stage. So I was nowhere near as what you know right now. Yeah, yeah. and definitely didn't have an idea of doing what i'm doing right now at that mm -hmm. age so mm -hmm. but yeah so we met each other at, like i was how old were you probably Ooh, would you if you had to give it, it like an age 18 i think it was 17 18 so i would have been that. like 15 16 yeah exactly so met fairly young mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm 22 now you don't have to give your age but they can figure <laughs> out <laughs> i'm 23 now um i don't mind saying that but you're 22 now <laughs> i'm 22 yeah oh yeah you April. just turned 22 yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah um so that's how we initially kind of met each other but for the journey of working together yeah, yeah, yeah. i knew always knew that you were into branding you used to work for um harriet hill yeah yeah hell harriet um, hell 
so she was a serial entrepreneur she is a serial entrepreneur um she gave me my kind of first proper like job experience mm-hmm. um i was a um digital marketing assistant and creative assistant so in addition to working for harriet hell um i was working for her partner um also very i don't want to say that as like they're joint because they're very separate people and very separate entities so he's a musician like world-class musician like serious basis if you ask anybody in the kind of london um Music in the scene. kind of music scene, kind of live music scene, they they'll know who he is. Um, and I was introduced to that job by my friend Jamil, who's also your a friend of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what gave me my initial kind of experience, design experience, and that's kind of what led to you kind of coming up to me and asking me some questions about some exactly. Stuff. Um, well, the main reason was when I was growing the business but i didn't necessarily have a good brand i didn't necessarily understand branding and the brand strategy and the values of it um until i was slowly slowly educating myself and then you helped me educate me in terms of how much value actually does bring yeah i do now obviously feel like it's an essential to this day and age to have a good online presence and a brand presence for your business to grow um, like we were speaking on off off air, how we feel like a brand presence is like an insurance. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you were saying about like if your business ever crashes or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. And I was saying like, look, well, you were saying if it fails, you at least you have the brand, right? Exactly. For me, it's like the brand is their insurance. It's mm-hmm. making sure that like if anything, this is what you can fall back on. Like this is what's going to bail you out. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to ensure that you're kind of going about things the proper way. Because mm-hmm. if you're using a kind of analogy of having current like you can still drive if you don't have insurance you shouldn't definitely but you can still drive um without insurance but you may get stopped by the police and then of course something happens like that's the kind of idea of a brand being your insurance as a company right you can still grow you can still maybe a limit to it but you can still grow and succeed as a business without having a brand but a brand makes sure that you're kind of prepared for everything mm-hmm. for anything and everything mm-hmm depending on how much work you put into it obviously yeah exactly yeah exactly um after the after that actually you moved into another prop you moved in you moved out of your house yeah into your property in east london yeah and um at this stage i had a design i found from upwork Mm -hmm. and i wanted to redevelop my brand and because that's this is well the idea of me understanding brand values was when i was working at a previous estate agency and they were rebranding the entire company so that's what gave you the intro exactly exactly the value yeah Yeah. exactly so they were using a company that foxton's used so like a huge company that foxton's used this company to rebrand their company so they put who's who's foxton's just just to kind of like what what what, like what is foxton's foxton's is the the london's estate agent that's what they kind of call themselves so they're a big player they're the biggest estate agency in london cool. I'm, I'm not sure how many branches they have but i think maybe like 70 branches cool. don't quote me on that but i think something around that so that's a ridiculous number so cool. that's probably why you're the, the the place that you're working at went to that same person exactly. to get their that company and stuff like that yeah that company bear, that, that bear london company. yeah Um. so they created loads of different concepts of their brand and there were so many um, brand values that they wanted to push into their brand. And there were so many small things which I wouldn't necessarily look into. Um, like their, their brand was mainly speaking about families and stuff like that. And they implemented these small ideas into their brand. And like 
everything was so intricate and so detailed and it was really informative and i was always interested in gary v and i listened to his book crushing it and he speaks about branding and he's a market marketer he's a he's, a, he's someone who a lot of people are looking into because he speaks lots of you know great value yeah i think just on a general level he's, exactly. he speaks to a lot of people exactly so um, that's where I kind of fell into the understanding of branding. And I was found the guy from Upwork. His name was Mel. Um, and I was asking you to give me your opinion in terms of what do you think um, about these logos? Yeah, I'll remember, actually, when I was looking into the logos, I was going to choose another one. Mm. And you said to me, well, if you could choose this one, if you want to be like every other state agent, mm. or you could <laughs> choose this one, if you want to be an individual. Yeah, And I looked at it the way, in your perspective, I felt like I looked at it and I thought, okay, well, I see it. And that's the one I'm going to pick. <laughs> yeah, because obviously, so with, just with that, you could have still went with the one that was more like every other estate agent exactly. and still succeeded, right? But it's all about what you want to achieve, what do you want to get from it? So mm-hmm. do you want the social proof that you look like every other estate agency? Mm-hmm. Or are you trying to not like, trying to trying to kind of step out of the box a little bit and do things a bit differently that's what that whole idea was about because obviously going with something that's a bit safer is safe it's a safe option um it's making sure that you're kind of going about things in a safe way but um taking risks are like the place where you're gonna strive strive and but also kind of grow i feel like that's where the real growth is Mm -hmm. um so you took that risk and how do you feel how do you feel about your logo now how do you I feel like I love the logo, to be honest. Like it really does represent like the orange. I don't know. I really, I really resonate with it. Um, the brand is slightly changing in terms of what it was, but I want to keep it how it is because we're gonna. The long, long term is literally to be doing house shares and um, all the investment strategies that I'm looking to implement is all gonna be about HMOs and house shares and building homes and communities like the brand is trying to represent. So. Yeah, I do love the brand right now. But that's what that's what came to it all, to be honest, when I was asking you to help me in terms of um, what do you think about this, this, this? And then you were telling me you could give me more value in terms of offering me, you know, all of this information and how we've developed this business from where it was. Let's say I think you started to help me, we say, three, time. four months ago? Yeah. I was that probably within like the end of February. So, do you think so? It was it was it was around about the end of February because I remember I was coming back from a trip that time. Oh I was yeah, coming back from Amsterdam. Like oh yeah, this kind of exchange trip that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I think that was towards the end. And I it's, left, and it's pretty much the beginning of June now. Yeah. So how long has that been? Only it's about March, it's about April, May, three, four, three, wow. four months. Yeah, I feel like the business has grown a mm. lot since those form hubs oh i hope so <laughs> i hope so yeah <laughs> but yeah that's good though now um so yeah you you helped me in terms of building and guiding the business in terms of the right direction yeah i'm i'm i'm, 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 I'm glad that you said that because i was in a space so at the time we were, i was kind of like helping you well at that time where you were kind of coming to me with um with, with this logo and kind of asking for, for my advice i was sensing that you're starting to take this seriously mm-hmm. like starting to because once you came to me with the logo i was like okay this, you're, you're serious now so you're like you kind of understand mm-hmm. why branding play like how it plays a part essentially 
So that was that was my cue to kind of see that you were serious. And then I started kind of giving you my proper two cents. I, I, I didn't like, I was giving you my actual, I think you do that quite naturally as a creative anyway. And if, especially if it's somebody that you want to help because um, it's value that you're getting as well. It's experience kind of trying to find something that works and helping somebody find something that works. So it was, it was experience for me as well, but that was a stage where like a kind of light bulb moment for me like in terms of what I'd want to do in with my skills and moving forward and that kind of idea of consultancy. And as I said, I'm glad that you said guide because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of, obviously you, I, this is how I think about it. as a consultant, you're stepping in because somebody needs help or advice, or they're not able to see things in a perspective that you can necessarily. So with the kind of idea of marketing or branding, that's where I could kind of help you apply that to your business but that's the reason why i, I it's, it's more of a guiding thing because you know the business best you started it you're, you're, you're the person that kind of would know it like 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 that like the back of your hand essentially so um yeah i'm just glad that you said that because that's exactly how i wanted it to come off as i didn't want it i, I didn't want to come on and be like look you should do this this and this because really i don't know what you should do but speaking to you mm-hmm and figuring out what your goals are and what you're currently doing i could i could suggest what you could do Mm -hmm. so glad you said that yeah i think we're both on the same pathway anyways in terms of where we both vision the business to be into Mm -hmm. um if i was a creative i wouldn't necessarily want to be working with somebody who doesn't have and want to push their business to the next level definitely um like even the podcast how we're starting the podcast yeah. and the youtube and everything like that which we'll go into on a, on a separate podcast for the social media strategy yeah, yeah. um but yeah that's that's it's, it's been nothing but positive since you've joined off that's good it's, it's that's been good. good um even with like diana mm-hmm. well I, th- I think we'll speak about diana on the next podcast yeah yeah but that's a va just yeah like exactly. a virtual assistant that's what you're you um, but she's been 10 out of 10 <laughs> she has been yeah exactly. she's been really good she, she's been really good um well um, yeah we'll dodge into that yeah. on the other podcast so so going back to how you first started um that was a kind of context of us right just mm-hmm. so people kind of understand that we're not just two random people talking yeah of course um <laughs> but how did everything start for you so like this is the first podcast i think it's really important for people to understand the journey as you were saying before, it's not like a journey that's going to inspire everyone in the world. Of course. But it will, it's, it's good for to put the story out there because you, you never know who it could inspire. Exactly. Exactly. Because like when I listen to other people's podcasts, there's only a very specific few people that have really I've resonated with. Um, that's mainly because of people's age. I wasn't when I was 21 and I was thinking I want to get into this. I didn't I wasn't necessarily listening to podcasts. But if I if I heard one from a 21 year old achieving such great good results i would be like oh wow this is actually achievable so this is necessarily for like the young entrepreneurs who want to go into property it's understanding that it, there is opportunity and it can be done if you put the hard work in um but yeah going back to the question where it all actually started was when i was at university and um, what uni did you go to essex university cool so um, what did you study economics okay economics and politics so I was ideally wanted to go into investments and stuff like that because when I was younger and going through second um, secondary and A-levels, all I was thinking about was money. Um, I thought that, yeah, money was going to be the best thing 
I could buy all these nice things and stuff like that. But buy your happiness. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I went to university, economics was so boring. <laughs> I didn't necessarily like the educational system. I didn't like the process that we needed to go through. I don't necessarily believe in the educational system. Mm. Um, but you know, a lot of entrepreneurs don't really believe in that. A lot of people that are, that tend to be entrepreneurs have kind of got it through ways that are kind of unorthodox. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, with the way it started when I was at university, I was living in a property with five of my other friends. Um, this was on the outer skirts of university, so it wasn't necessarily very very close. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so the way it was that we were renting the entire house for fourteen hundred pounds on a monthly basis. So we split it between six people. I think it was fourteen hundred, but I remember paying two hundred and thirty-four pounds a month for my rent. Plus the bill, I'm not sure, I think about £50. Um, so we were paying a maximum of like £300 on a monthly basis for this for this house. And this house was a really nice house. We had loads of space. We had all, Everyone had a double room beside one person. Philip, his name was. He was on the ground floor. He had a small box room. Uh, but he wasn't too bothered. Okay. <laughs> but we had um, a dining room. We had um, a living room. And the dining room was pretty much a spare room. But the, the doors wasn't closing properly. Um, and it wasn't too private hence why I filled it and take it but a garden garage everything and it was close to the station so um, weirdly we were always thinking oh, imagine we rented each room out how much do you think we could actually get from this house and um, we never really fought into it we always thought that was illegal you can't uh, you know rent these rooms yeah. out after you're renting it from the from the agency <laughs> yeah. that's crazy well that was the perception mm-hmm. um after when i realized that the neighbor was pretty much doing a hmo a house of multiple occupancy and he was renting each room out for five to six hundred pounds well so he lived there or he didn't live there it was an agency okay so he was just renting all the rooms out so it was like a professional run hmo um bearing in mind these houses are like six to seven bedrooms um he was generating lowers of cash flow. After I did the maths on the property that we were living in, well, which I'll go into a bit more about the numbers and that one, um, the return on investment was ridiculous. And the cash flow was ridiculous. And like this was a gold mine of an area to be doing it. In. Okay, so let me ask you a quick question. So how did you kind of so the idea of kind of return of investments and that you you at that very kind of early stage you did the the kind of due diligence to kind of figure out what is the return on investment what is the cash flow how did you kind of get into that at that stage like how, where did that did that come from your kind of studies with to, um, economics well to some extent i was at the same time i was i was a math tutor so i was tutoring a lot of math teacher kids and i was always relatively good at maths yeah um to find out the return on investment i just literally google return investment formula so i just try to figure it out like that but the light bulb moment was when we went on to another view into another property where i was leaving um essex university and my friends were staying on but they were looking for another place but i was always interested in property i wanted to see another place so i went to the other place with them and we told him this we're, we're renting the property down the road for 1400 and he was asking for a ridiculous price price of like i don't know 26 2700 and but the problem the the thing what he was doing was he was renting the room by room and he was trying to get a hmo price okay and then when he said to us he was like oh you're renting that one for 1400 he was like maybe i need to do a rent to rent that was when the absolute light bulb moment in my life um <laughs> kind of happened i, I can still remember everything <laughs> from that moment <laughs> um then soon as i left the house and i said it to the boys 
I was like, I, I want to, I want to try keep this house. Like, I, I want to do a rent to rent in this house. <laughs> so I went back to the house um, straight upstairs to my bedroom. Um, and my battery was dead. And I put my phone on charge and I typed in rent to rent on YouTube. And the first thing came up was Simon Zucci. Okay. Simon Zucci was the guy who ran the course I did not too long ago and property mastermind. Um, Full circle moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he was saying, this is what a rent to rent is. You rent it from the land, from the agency or the landlord and you sublet in all the rooms on a, on a roomlet basis and pay all the bills and manage all the, the properties. I can be in a property manager. After doing all the maps, everything like that, this property was generating about 4,000 a month. Um, so it was fourteen hundred pounds on 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 the rent, and it was let's say six hundred pounds for the costs, cool. bills, and everything like that. So there's another two thousand pounds left, <laughs> which is profit on a monthly basis. So that was a twenty four thousand. That's a nice salary. Exactly. Right that's yeah. that's the salary. I was looking to leave university and bank a job, which was going to be twenty five k a year, and this would be one house, one deal managing it on a on a monthly basis um and you know achieving all of this money if i was really really smart i could easily give it to another hmo manager so i would build the deal give it to a hmo manager they would rent they would manage it all for me and they would just send me the paycheck so that would literally be passive income for just setting up the deal. So you'd only have to pay that HMO manager kind of certain I would pay him about 10%. I think maybe 10% on the whole entire 4,000. I doubt it. I'm not too sure how they would work it out. Maybe 10% on the on the um, profits. But even if it was 400 pounds, I'll be banking, let's say 15 to 1,600 pounds on a monthly basis. Um, I actually found the landlord's details. They had they gave me their her phone number. I contacted her, set up the entire business. At this point, I did a course on Neil Ward. Um, I bought a course because I was really interested. At this all the, at this entire time, I was I was still juggling the final year exams. And I didn't necessarily want to be studying anymore. Yeah, um, you had that light bulb moment. Yeah, must have been a, a lot. I was like, this is so not worth it anymore. Yeah, I want to be pushing property. I've always wanted to be pushing property. Um, I thought it was going to be a thing I get involved with when I'm thirty or thirty five years old, but I thought. I could actually get involved with it right now. So so I did that course, that Neil Wood course. It was relatively okay. It wasn't amazing. Um, pushed all of that and then understood the concept of it. Tried to close this deal with the with the landlady, Kirsty, I think her name was. Um, that was literally 75% there. And then okay. at the last minute, it I lost it, unfortunately. Um she didn't have the trust in me because I, I, cause she told me to go to the property to get, to do like evaluation, how much we're looking to offer. Um, I, she didn't know I lived in the property and stuff like that. So I didn't necessarily want to tell her that that was the situation yeah. because I didn't want her to know how old I was. I didn't want her to be um, uncertain about it. I wanted to have that trust and we had a FaceTime meeting. I spoke to her, everything like that. I, 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 well, I guess it's just the idea of, professionalism you wanted to be as professional as possible. exactly and those were kind of the ways that those are kind of the details that she didn't need to know i guess for sure so eventually i, I called heart that was the agency that she, we were we were managing where we were renting it from because she was managed by them and well, i was trying to poach them pretty much poach her um off of them um and then they informed her i was a previous tenant and stuff like that and then she she called me and said this, this was all off so that all went down the drain, unfortunately. 
um, that would have been a great deal and a great first deal to be to like really put me on a good position. Uh, after that, what happened? At well, at that well, so I th- well, so you're, I think you're kind of missing your point. So from like before you got into that deal, you were kind of finishing your you're doing your kind of final yeah. exams mm-hmm. at uni. What was it so like? You were, like what was the transition between? I well, those, yeah, those, I did miss that section. Places. I after I finished university, I knew I didn't want to go into investments. Um, I did an internship in a in a in this company, this investment management company in London. Before, well, on a summer, on a summer internship for like uh, I think three months or something like that. And so I, when did you start searching for that? Would did that come as you had that light bulb moment? Did it kind of that like, was before? Okay, that was all before um that. So this is when oh, I was. So that was with the, like an investment company. So there's nothing yeah. to do with property. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It was nothing to do with property. It was just an investment management company. So stocks and shares and that kind of stuff. Um. So I was working there, and that was when I really and truly realized that a nine to five job is nothing that I really want to be choosing um so the transition was after i finished my essex university degree i left uni and um, went to well i wanted to start up the full-time business and i was setting it all up at this time um i was watching the course the new award course and trying to gather all that information and i knew i was going to approach kirsty and try to get this deal on as my first deal okay even though i was planning um a marketing strategy in terms of how i'm going to find other deals but my marketing wasn't necessarily as... So that was your first practice in terms of finding a deal. And yeah, exactly. process. Yeah, okay. exactly. And I was so inexperienced. I was so nervous speaking to her. I didn't know what to say. I, I remember... Re- like, I think I remember you, like, whilst you were kind of going through that, I remember, like, us having conversations about that and mm-hmm. just kind of me asking you, like, what are you doing at the moment? So mm-hmm. I think you kind of updating me. And I remember you saying that it was a quite a nerve-wracking process kind of experience and process yeah, yeah for Which sure it would be for anyone so yeah especially for the first deal because even now it's such a big like I, i've never come across a deal which is so valuable so if it was now i would i, would, I feel like i would be able to close it mm. and get it all sorted and you know up and running um but the transition was i was working for a hm well a company based in east london and this company was it was a company which wasn't amazing, but they owned every property that they had in, in, in what they were managing. So they owned about 115 properties all in East London. So he was an absolute multi-millionaire, him and his father. The best thing about um, joining that company was um, they had loads of HMOs, which I was interested in, obviously, because I wanted to get into rent to rent. So... He gave me the flexibility in terms of, or oh, I had no experience or nothing like that, but I wanted to implement all of these ideas that I've just learned on this course. And he was paying me on a monthly basis. So that was really, really positive. At this point, I was literally flat broke. I had no money. I was always in my overdraft after leaving university. So I was never good with money management. Proper student life. Yeah, right exactly. Then. Well, student life. Exactly. Yeah. So I was always in my overdraft and I never had any, any, any money to really push into the business. So this, I, I wanted to, build experience and get paid um, and build my business at the same time. Those are my three main objectives at this point. So I was working for him and I implemented all of the ideas that I wanted to implement, took better pictures, marketed it better, featured ads on Spare Room, put it on other platforms. So where did those ideas come from? So like in terms of the ideas that you wanted to implement, like mm-hmm. did you have that as in terms of how you'd set up your own business and yeah, looking exactly. at like how to 
make this current business I'm working for better. I was, was seeing, trialing some of those ideas. Exactly. It was both. It was both because I didn't have the money to trial my ideas. So I wanted to leverage this position I was in and push my ideas out. And yeah, he was giving me sense. that flexibility. So I told him, um, you know, we need some money to put on the spare room account so he could do featured ads. Let's try this. Let's see if it's actually positive. And then he gave, he put money into the account and then I was be able to play with it. Um, and by the end of it, I was able to, because there was about 30 to 40 void rooms, void rooms being in the empty room. So they're losing lots of cash flow. Bearing in mind, each room is worth like five to 600 pounds. That's like 20K a month that they're losing. Um, he wasn't necessarily... So why, yeah, that, so why were they so lax about that? Because he, he was earning so much money. I see. Yeah. He really didn't care. Okay. I, I, that's what I personally felt. Because when I did tell him... So did it seem like an issue? So when you kind of started working for, for that company and you... I don't know if you were told that they had void Oh, yeah, of course. Like if you kind of figured it out from, I don't know, looking through admin or whatever. But like, what was the feat? Like, did they kind of... Was that a priority for them? So like filling those voids? My position was to fill those voids. Okay. My position was a negotiator to fill all these empty rooms. Um, so I was the HMO manager for about 15 properties and it all had, um, you know, six to 10 rooms each. I think it was 16 properties. Um, but yeah, they, they had loads and loads of void rooms. So majority of their properties were pretty much empty. So I, because they had loads of hotels, I was taking cleaners taking them to the property clean it all up dress the rooms take nice pictures market it consistent viewings on a regular basis and incentivize the current tenants saying look we'll give you a discount on your rent on your rent on a monthly basis if you could give us a referral loads of little small marketing tactics which i learned from that course um which was really good at this point I, at, after about six to seven months i was able to reduce it down three to four property rooms empty that's good so they had all of their properties pretty much full at this point i was pretty much hitting the ceiling in this place and i didn't want to be um in that in that place anymore because i wasn't progressing and i wanted to be better and i wanted so, to improve so so why weren't you progressing was it because of because i yeah, accomplished i accomplished what i needed to accomplish he wasn't able to give me another position okay to to push it to the next level so you're always going to be the negotiator exactly and i'll I'll be filling rooms which are there's no rooms to fill anymore so there wasn't really a position for me at that point it was very so what would have happened would you would would kind of just said to you like we don't necessarily need your services it wasn't like that he he was happy he didn't ever say you could leave or anything like that yeah i told him i'm looking to leave okay um he was a nice guy because I told him, look, I want to I want to start my own business and stuff like that. And I was young and he was a very young individual when he really kind of blew it off because they, they started from nothing. Okay. Um, Which is a really inspirational yeah. kind of story. I would love to, to get them on the podcast. To, yeah. yeah. Or to um, where they are. Yeah, say. exactly. Mm. Like they're ridiculous. They're on another, and they're on another level. Um, But he was happy to like, he said to me, he was like, Aaron, I'm happy to mentor you and guide you in terms of where you want to go to. Um, so who was this was this the father or this was the, the son? son okay so the son really and truly grew this business to the next level they was doing a strategy pretty similar to rent to rent okay but it was leasing so they would rent it from the landlord and then give it to the council directly and they will make a 300 to 400 pounds a month profit wow from each property okay i didn't realize the council were doing that this was years ago oh, okay so um he was making loads of money from the council but he had 800 properties 
right? Mm. It was my leisure. So 800 times 400 is a big number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's eight, six, that's 320,000 pounds a month. That's a lot. You know, that's that's yeah. when he was about 25, 26 years okay. old. Um, I think that's what he was kind of. I mean, he must have had a small team with him though, because yeah, how, of course, how are you managing like eight hundred? That's crazy. He had a ridiculous. He had a, he had a big team. He said he had about five six negotiators, but when I asked him how did you find landlords, he said we would just have a billboard, mm. and you know their marketing back then was a lot different to what. When was that? What time period was that? Would you say? I would say fifteen, maybe twenty years ago. Okay. So um, he was thirty five, thirty four when I was there. Um. Actually, maybe 10 to 12 years ago. So something like that. But so, oh, yeah, I was working there. I eventually said I don't want to be working there. So I left that place and went to work for another estate agency in East London. And this was, well, I went to loads and loads of interviews and loads and loads of um, places where I wanted to be working. Um, But I never could feel the right vibe for me to be in the right position. And then I came across this estate agency in East London and the manager, his name's Jake. He was one month younger than me and he was running this company with his mum. So his his mum owned the company, but he was pretty much running the entire thing. And it was him, it was his mum, it was me and then it was this girl called Millie. So she was the marketing girl. She worked like three times a week, but it was mainly me, Jay and his mum. Um, at this point when I first joined he said to me they're buying another company so they're going through legals and they're expanding so that's what really intrigued me I was thinking oh wow they're expanding their team they're looking to grow they want to be doing lots of development and I want to be there when while they're doing these development stages mm. because I thought that was going to be the valuable information that I want to be gathering while I get paid being taught do you know what I mean it was ticking loads of my boxes Um, at this point I was still pretty much flat broke but i was um able to save some money to to well obviously i wanted to save a little bit of money to invest into the hmos yeah um the hmo deal with kirsty in essex fell through at the beginning of finding this new job at um the other estate agency i was working in so that fell through and then literally a month after i found another deal in in east london again and this place was making you know 800 pounds um a month cash flow that was another crazy story it was you know um we're going to be doing another podcast about that as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with my two other friends who were at on that journey with yeah. me um that's a good listen yeah that'll be, that'll be <laughs> interesting yeah. um just to give a little teaser it was it was it was a drug involved story where okay that's enough <laughs> no what do you mean so like because a drug involved story but like it was it was a house. How am I gonna give it a small teaser without giving it all away? So it was a difficult. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was another deal that fell through. Yeah, but it was a very interesting story. Let's just leave it like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that that house I found on Gumtree. I sourced it on Gumtree. And I spent about five to six thousand, five, four to five thousand pounds on refurbishing the entire place, including labor, including costs and everything like that. And this was generating about eight hundred to eight fifty a month um, cash flow. So that's money that you put down. That was all my money okay. what I put down. Um, so I lost all of that money because. The, How did that feel? That must have felt crazy. That was that was like the lowest part of the journey because I was like, oh wow, like I've lost all of this money 
Yeah. This is all the money I had. Um, I've been working so hard to save all this money. I've been not spending anything. I haven't been going out because I know I want to be using this money for a cash flow generating property, investing it into my business. Um, but that was difficult. I don't really remember how I felt. I was at a different kind of mindset where like I was a lot more hungrier than what I am now, if that makes sense. Because I was, the routine I was doing at that t- period of time in my life was 5 a.m. starts. So I was waking up at five in the morning. Are oh, you doing serious Yeah, because I had to. Yeah, because yeah. I had to, because I had no choice. Yeah. So I was working at, I woke up at. What were you doing at, so what, yeah, so how would that even like, what does that look like waking up at 5 a.m. and then doing a shit like it working? Was, it was difficult. But I knew, like, I needed to do it because if I really and truly wanted it, I'm gonna have to go get but it. What, but what were you doing? It's so, like from five a.m. You're waking up and then, like, what are you? What requires you to be up at five a.m.? All the business work in terms of um, what was I actually doing? Sourcing deals that I was looking to invest in. So was it the idea of having more time to do exactly? Because okay. I needed to be looking for deals because all of my marketing was direct to landlord. I wasn't using agents at that point, so. Well, I never have used been use, using agents to find landlords, but I will be doing that on my deal sourcing. But the the way what I was doing it was using Gumtree, Spare Room, Open Rent to find landlords. So I would need to go through all of these um, platforms and message them directly. And at this point, I wasn't using any VAs, so I didn't know about VAs. I didn't know I could outsource what it. Are VAs? Virtual assistants from like the Philippines or India. But to be honest, I couldn't really afford them, anyways. So. I couldn't afford to pay anybody on a monthly basis to be doing this for me. So I had to do it myself and put in that those hours. So I would wake up at five. I would start working at 5.30 to about seven, like 7.30. Then go to the gym and for an hour, come back, go to my full-time job, eight hours, nine hours, and then come back home. And... And then I'd work for another two to three hours. So I'll try and at least get like four hours work of my own work um, in and on a daily basis. And then I would have Thursdays and Saturdays, Sundays off. And I'll try to get in as many hours as possible. So I'll try to work 12 hour shifts for so each of those days. how did that days. work? Did, did you stick to those hours a lot of the time? Well, for a long period of time I did. Okay. Yeah. For a long period of time I was actually in that routine for a while. How long? So, um, How long was I in that routine for? majority of the time i was at that previous agency okay so i was at that agency for about 10 months so i would say i was in it for like eight months so you were putting in the serious groundwork yeah. to try and get this to get out of it yeah, yeah exactly up and running so i was doing that at that period um so when that when that business crashed when that when that hmo crashed the only the only money i had was about two thousand pounds in my account in the business account um, and I actually owed some of the laborers some work, some money. How much? Can you remember? Um, I owed them about. Well, I owed, it was it was my dad and my brother-in-law, so I owed them money. Okay. Because they they did labor for me. They they said they'll do it for me for free, but I wanted to pay them. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And if you say you're gonna pay you, exactly, exactly. But I wasn't in the, in the financial position to pay them. Yeah. So, um, I had two thousand pounds in my account, and. I had to, I, I spent, I spent £1,300 on the deal sourcing course. Um, The deal sourcing course was literally an online course where you could teach yourself how to do deal sourcing and not to go to any viewings and you could do it all online and stuff like that. So I was pushing deal sourcing at this point. I was thinking, okay, fine, I'm going to have to build cash flow. 
I need to build cash flow to reinvest into these properties. I'm not going to work for another one year, two years. Like I've gathered enough information at this point. I've got enough experience in terms of how to do it all. Um, so I did the deal sourcing. I was learning it all. How that was something I was really and truly doing the five a.m. start as well. I was learning the course at the same time. So I was trying to write notes and everything like that. It must have been hectic, man. How 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 efficient? I know, like it's kind of the the idea of mind over over matter, I guess. So like pushing through when you need to push through. But looking back at it, like in hindsight, how efficient were you in like getting towards your goals with that kind of setup? Very efficient. Like I felt like I was a lot a lot more efficient then. And if I go back into that routine, I think I'll be a lot more efficient as well. Like I would like to start working or waking up at five a.m. It was because at uni I was doing intermittent fasting and my focus was so much better. I felt like my focus was never better than so when I was doing that. What does that mean? Because I know for intermittent, that is that the idea of like not eating for lows, like long periods of time. Mm-hmm. So when would you wake up and when would you eat? That in, during a day? when I was at doing that, it was different in terms of it. Also, I would wake up and not eat until about 2 to 2.30 p.m. Oh, was that only at uni? Yeah, or? this was like okay. exam periods in uni. I think it was second year or something like that. So I was just trying different things to help me focus. And I was doing a different diet as well just to see what works and what doesn't work. But um, my focus was really, really good when I was doing that. It just doesn't fit my routine right now, so I won't be doing that right this second. But um, when I was doing the 5 a.m. starts, it was difficult to get into it. But it was just the desire of really achieving what i want to be achieving and mainly leaving my full-time job because so, i couldn't bear it so where did you get the 5 a.m starts from because i know me personally i've seen that a lot from not necessarily gary v himself but the gary v type video so like the inspiration or like if you want to get stuff done mm-hmm. if you want to like work for yourself if you want to start your own company your own business what do you need to do mm-hmm. to do that and a lot of the kind of one, one of the most frequent tips that i see is waking up early I was about to say super early because it's that time right there is super early for me. Of course. Um, but for a lot of people that I kind of have these goals in mind and are kind of aware of the amount of work that it will take to get there, mm-hmm. um, follow that kind of tip in terms of working up, waking up 6 a.m., 5 a.m. and starting their day at those times to, check, to make sure that they have enough hours to actually get what they need done. So where did you get that from was that something you kind of thought of yourself no that was just just watching youtube videos videos on how to be more efficient how to be more effective how to get stuff done that kind of mindset what type of mindset do i need to be in on how to do this how to achieve the goals that i want to be achieving because i don't come from a family who are full of entrepreneurs mm. like none of my um, out of my family we're a family of six and none of us are entrepreneurs mm. beside me um my dad was when he was younger but he was he's working full time now so it's 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 you know i mean he's is there's been no type of inspiration from somebody else so i don't know i don't know where it comes from for myself that i want to be an entrepreneur but i've always felt like a 9 to 5 job isn't something for me yeah um but the 5 a.m. starts was really good on the focus terms and st- in in terms of the focus and stuff like that and getting stuff done but when that when that when that property did go down 
and I bought the deal sourcing course and I only had a small amount of money in my account I was looking for I was sourcing properties for my well I was still looking for properties in East London for myself and trying to find other deals all over the United Kingdom so I was trying to find different locations in terms of which locations do I think would be a good location for my investors to invest in and I didn't know which locations I should necessarily be picking eventually I found this one landlord from Luton and I was I was sourcing in Luton at this point and he said no he doesn't have the property eventually and then he called me back and said I've got six properties in Middlesbrough and I thought oh wow six properties in Middlesbrough imagine I'm selling each deal at two and a half to three thousand a deal so that's about yeah Yeah, exactly 15 to you know 10 to 15 thousand pounds and so I thought that's really good imagine I close those deals so long story short, I eventually had two of them because he, he let some of them, some of them were tenanted in for me. And um, I found an investor. I gave him all the information. Everything was literally 90% there. The investor said, yeah, I'll take it. And it was just the last hurdle that needed to go through. And it was me persuading the tenant, persuading the landlord that you should take this investor. And... Um, at the same period of time where this was happening, I was trying to close this deal and I was still sourcing deals in East London for myself, trying to find deals. And there's one guy called Minesh. He called me and said, um, can you help me rent my rooms? Because I called him and said, I would be your HMO manager. If you want me to, I could rent it from you. And, you know, we're a relocation company that's done over the whole entire HMO pitch. So, um, he said he didn't want that and then after a couple of months he called me back and said can you rent my rooms out because he's struggling to rent the rooms out. rooms out so he had a property in Wolverhampton and I helped him to rent those rooms out and I was charging them literally like an estate agency so I was charging him um, two weeks rent and then I was charging the, um, the tenant an agency fee the rooms were going for I think 850 a month something like that so I was I was averaging about £400 plus like £200. So £600 for this deal. And that was relatively good money. So £600 on one room. And he was giving me three rooms to possibly rent. So I had three rooms that I was looking to rent with this guy. And, and I rented all three of them. So I made like £1,200 on that month. Plus what I was making um, at my full-time job. Um, so that was like the first month where I ever made more than two and a half thousand pounds or three thousand pounds i think it was something like that ever in my entire life <laughs> so i was like okay wow this is and that was your first introduction into kind of, in terms of doing that yourself exactly that was well. my first introduction of doing roomlets yeah. myself so i was thinking you know this might be something i could do long story short this the the other the other property deal the one the deal sourcing one in Millsboro, that fell through he didn't it didn't go through and then i was for a case that was a l- being the deal sourcer, it takes a lot of work because I was calling people on my lunch break. I would go to viewings and I'll be trying to make five calls, have my headphones in. It'll be it'll be working on top of working, if that makes sense. So I'll be working at the estate agency doing viewings for those guys and trying to make ten calls in the, in in that space. So it was ridiculous. Yeah. So I didn't have I didn't have time, um, and I couldn't make the calls in the evening, or I would make a one hour worth of calls in the evening because I would finish at seven o'clock that's the time i would finish the full-time job that's quite late already exactly yeah. so um i can't be calling people at 9 p.m trying to 
pitch them high. I've got a property <laughs> to rent. That's ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't come across professional. No. People are you know, relaxing. It's not a good time. Yeah. It, it kind of come across, comes across that it's not your kind of... Full time. Full time. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you do as your day job. So, exactly. And that's, again, that's not the kind of impression that you want to mm-hmm. be giving people. In terms of everything else as well, nobody wants to be bothered at night. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, especially by a salesman. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to be calling people at that ridiculous time. So um, the the roomlet was something that was looking positive. I didn't necessarily want to be pushing that. I was in two minds of pushing that. Should I push this? Should I do? Why this? were you in two because minds? Because it was. Um, I didn't know I could achieve good money in it. I didn't feel like I. I'll like, okay, fine. I could maybe achieve three thousand pounds on a monthly and then um but really and truly it was it was, I, I didn't know i wasn't too sure i was mm. in two minds of it all but then this other guy lynn his name is he called me and said hi can you rent my rooms out as well and i thought okay um he approached me so i was like fine no problem he gave me about three rooms um how did he approach you where, where he found he me on spare room okay so he was like oh i saw your advert on spare room can you can you rent my rooms out i'm struggling to rent my rooms out. fine sure no problem i'll rent your rooms out and so then it's kind of like it was kind of like it just came to yeah me. but it didn't as well because it was mm-hmm. your advert so it's like what you did yeah exactly initially to kind of get what to to, to kind of get your rooms mm-hmm. um sold to the right tenants and managed by yourself what kind of let the landlord kind of getting their rooms mm-hmm. um fill, or filled i guess um so it was that kind of you completing that first process which meant that you could get the kind of reaping the re- reward i guess which kind of i guess it's f- f- I'm, like i'm saying it's a kind of that was like a full circle moment i guess so it kind of it showed you that this is what you should be doing at this point in time um I, I, it, that was a result of your work to kind of get you in that position to, to to begin with so that's pretty crazy mm-hmm. and it's crazy that you were in two minds about that as well so i'm very i'm very much somebody, somebody that thinks that everything happens for a reason and that's for me that's showing that that happened for a reason like you doing that meant that you could then get this reward essentially and this kind of push into a direction that you were in two two minds about for sure because but at that point where he, where Lynn called me and he gave me his rooms as well, I thought, fine, let me just find some more landlords just to rent their rooms out. <laughs> <laughs> let me just, let, let me just, just let me see if it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Weirdly enough, actually, when I was working at that previous um, estate agency, the first, first one, um, I always went, I, I thought I could, I could possibly um, find random landlords and rent their rooms out as well. So it kind of, came back to it if yeah. it makes sense yeah um i missed that part because it was so, so relevant so did you set up calico at this point did i set up calico oh yeah yeah so you were kind for of which doing part? This. which part for the first estate agency you so so when you kind of start started to do roomlets like when you started oh, to yeah, get yeah. landlords on board yeah, yeah, yeah. okay cool. so i had calico um see you, you skip past that like how, how like how did you how, <laughs> how did you set up calico like how did that I know obviously you did that as a process that needs to be done. You need to be kind of like as a business kind of thing. Um, I set that all up when I was at the, when I was um, at the first estate agency towards the end. So towards the end of the first estate agency, I was setting up Calico properties, the website, the Google page, the Instagram. Um, I never posted anything on the Instagram or anything on the Twitter, any, any, any social media. I didn't post because 
You didn't see the value exactly at that stage. Yeah, I didn't see the value. I didn't understand. It's just fair. My business mind wasn't necessarily what my business mind is now. I didn't educate myself in terms of business. All I was thinking about at that point was finding a couple of deals, have some residual income coming in to some extent residual, um, and you know that that's all I was thinking about. But now. Once I went to the other estate agency and he introduced me to what, what he's doing and, and I understood his business a bit more. I understood the estate agency and a letting agent and a dominant sales agent. All of these small little things that I understood about the market, I was able to, I was always interested in like Gary Vee and stuff like that. And his videos were just something I was naturally drawn to. And now I've literally watched nearly every video that he's ever put out on YouTube. That's crazy. Beside the the wine, he's put stuff. Out a lot of videos. <laughs> yeah, <as well>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch any of the wine stuff, um, but majority of his new content and all of that stuff is all about marketing and you know what what he's talking about is very relevant to what I want to be producing. And he's given me pretty much golden nuggets. He's charging people, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars for two hours of his time, and he's giving out all this value for free. So if it's I'm watching them, yeah, well, just a kind of divert on that because he's seeing the value of giving value to other people what that does for your own personal brand exactly it essentially creates like another service essentially and also it's just a natural way to gain a following and that's something that monetizes itself mm-hmm. and manifests different opportunities as well anyway go ahead um yeah exactly so that's what we're something we want to be implementing anyways by adding other people the value the podcast yeah. exactly mm-hmm. um so where was I in terms of the story? So you were at um, your kind of second kind of experience with a landlord in terms of roommates with Lynn. Oh yeah, with Lynn. Um, yeah, so I set up all the business and I was fine. I was like, fine, let me find some more landlords for the roomlet. At this point, I had like a stock list. I found some more um, landlords by just doing cold calling on spare room. So I went to the last page and I found a few people. I called a few landlords and said, hi, can I rent your room out? Um, you know, we've got people waiting and this and the other. So I would go down around to the to the house and take some new pictures, remarket it, and put it on all the platforms that I wanted to put onto, and then push that. Um, eventually, I had a stock list of like let's say six or seven rooms, and I was like, oh wow, I've got seven rooms on. That's amazing. It wasn't necessarily amazing. Now we've got like a hundred rooms on. So where did you get all of these kind of terms from in terms of stock list? Like, where did you, did you get that from watching videos? and Stock list? Yeah. But it, like, in terms of the, like the terminology, because that, that's just the process, right? So like what you need to kind of set up, what you, like how you need to organize your, your time and what you're working with. Mm-hmm. And that idea of a stock list, that's coming because you have rooms to, to let, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but where did you get all of that from? Where did you get all of that information from? The terminology. So was or that just from your kind of experience that was At, different? Yeah, com- yeah exactly. Okay. They, they would, uh, that's just what they would call it. They would have a list of... So you learn a lot of the lingo exactly. and the process. Exactly. So the terminology and stuff like that, I would learn and pick up from other places I'm working at. Bearing in okay. mind, I was pretty much working side by side with the director of the entire company. Okay. So all of the business development ideas and stuff like that, we will speak about. So were you doing this, in terms of the admin and the kind of management side of things... Were you doing this according to how you've learned it or were you kind of changing it to what you needed? I was... And to how you were working, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I was... Did, I you, was, did I, you make it your own? Yeah, I was adopting loads of my own ideas because he was a smart individual. He is a smart guy, 
Um, but there were some ways in which that I could, you know, systemize my business to minimize my work because, you know, I was working full time. I needed to systemize it. I didn't have the time to be running the entire thing by doing, you know, all of these little bits and bobs. So, so it was out of a necessity. Exactly. Well, yeah, for sure. To for make sure. It's more efficient. Um. So yeah, at this point, I thought, yeah, let me grow the stock list and see how I'm gonna grow the stock list. So I implemented loads of small little ideas that I thought was going to work. So I was using, well, I hired a VA from um, Upwork, a virtual assistant, to send out messages on Gumtree um, and Spare Room to landlords to say, hi, we're offering a service. Do you want us to help you and assist you to rent your rooms? And we had loads and loads of landlords get back to us. So what was that like? What was that process in terms of hiring a VA like? It was difficult because I was looking for someone to work for you know uh, a small period of time and i had to train them and i've trained somebody else before so i was just making loads of videos online on screen sharings i would i'll put them on a google f a file and send them off to them and let them watch it and then i would look back on on at their work and see if they're doing it correctly and it wasn't they weren't doing it correctly all the time so i'd have to fire the couple of people and then find the right person to do it for me how many people did you go through i think about two right one okay. i think two people and then i found the right person he still works with me now. So um, he was sending out loads and loads of messages to landlords. And it would. I would also tell him to data scrape all of this information from um, Gumtree and Spare Room and Ideal Flat and all these other platforms. And then I would put it on a system or the spreadsheet. And I would cold call majority of them or try and cold call all of them. But there was hundreds and hundreds of them. So it was difficult to cold call loads of these guys and loads of these people. What While, was that process like? Did you, like, when you were ringing some people up, did, was it always... Did you always get the chance to like pitch? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Majority of the time. Okay. Um, that's good then, because mainly because I was thinking like, is it one of those ones where are you? Can, do you know can can I just like telemarketers like the idea of yeah. getting a phone call from somebody and it's just random and it's not any value to you? They don't know who you are really, um, and they're just calling you about something that you they don't even know that, but they you're probably not gonna want, but they definitely know. You have no inclination of wanting in this thing. Like, for example, if I get called by somebody and it's like, have you, do you want to claim like liability? Well, like from, PPI. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've never been in an accident. Like, <laughs> anyway, so. But yeah. this is different because they were advertised in their bedroom. So I knew they were looking for a tenant. So I would call them and say, hi, um, you know, I could see you advertising on Gumtree. Is, is the room still available? And they will say yes or no. So you made sure that your pitch was relevant. Essentially. Exactly. Yeah. So if they said no, I'm like, okay, sure, fine. And then I'll still pitch it. <laughs> Tell them, look, if you need any help, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's what I was doing at this time. And, and that works, right? Because that one guy in Manchester that didn't need your help exactly. at that time. It, it, yeah, exactly. To to walk um, yeah, um, that was Middlesbrough. Luton and Middlesbrough. Oh, Luton. But, okay. Um, so yeah, I was cold calling all these landlords and I, it was difficult because I would go on to viewings and then on the viewing, I was waiting for the applicant while I was working in the state agency. I will call like three quick landlords. And just be like, how can I help? Um, you know, the entire pitch. And then if they won it, I would gather all the information on my phone and my notes. And as soon as I get home, I'll put it on the system on my spreadsheet. So I was doing that and I thought, okay, how can I develop it? I was always trying to develop the business. I always saw Jay developing his business. So I, he was consistently working on the business and working in the business. So um, I saw his work ethic and why he was doing. I was thinking, okay, sure, I could implement this. I want to be working on my business and working in my business. So you were able to pick from what? 
exactly. you thought success, successful people were doing and kind of apply it to what you were yeah, trying exactly. to do. Yeah. So I was always thinking, how am I going to develop it? How am I going to do this? So eventually I bought loads of credit on text local. And then we started to do text marketing and just texting loads of these landlords in bulk. Um, hundreds and hundreds of landlords. I've got, I've got a question. So was there anything that you saw that they were doing and you thought, okay, I'm definitely not going to bring that over to what I'm trying to do? Like, was oh. that kind of marketing kind of process, how they did certain things in terms of systemizing that you thought, okay, I can, I definitely know not to do that. Was there any, you, you don't have Stuff to go into like, like detail, I guess, but yeah. Um, In terms of the process of, let's say, we were rent. We rented a property, and we we at the first stage, you need to gather some information from that applicant. So, you pretty much freestyle what you need to gather from this applicant. That's what he taught me. So, um, in terms of what questions you need to ask, but I didn't necessarily know all the questions I need to ask and gather, and all this all this information to be able to freestyle. Exactly, it. Yeah. exactly. But he was always training me and teaching me, so it was it was beneficial. But something that I wanted to develop and implement was. A, an application form like a, something so simple and something so basic so i created an application form where i'll be like hi okay fine if you want the property we need to fill this application form out can you just give me helping hands and i'll just fill it out with them on the phone so i'll never miss any questions i'll have all the information right in front of me and then when i'm relaying it back to the landlord and pitching them okay you know hi steve this landlord this this applicant is really good because you know, he's working full time. He's been there for three to four years. He's in a stable job. Um, he's renting previously before. So we could get previous landlord reference. All the small little things that you need to reassure a landlord why they're a good applicant. So that small little small yeah. little details like that. Yeah. That's what I always trying to develop that's my quite business. Massive, though, to be honest with you. Because he was saying that you could freestyle it. But obviously you didn't have as much experience as him to, to know what. In terms of just the order, in terms of how you structure this conversation, exactly, and the, the end goal, and knowing how much information is enough, essentially, yeah, exactly. Um, so no, no, that's that. That's a really kind of smart way to work around it. That's that's. So did you get that idea? So did you just think of like, look, I need an application form. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's just uh, ideas that I would be thinking of myself of um, how I'm going to improve this. So for the landlords thing, I've always wanted to use that data and push it into Facebook ads and try bring on some more landlords like that. But um, that's actually pretty good. I, like I think, just kind of side note, I know this is more of a marketing thing, but looking at that data in terms of because I, I guess with these application forms, you're learning a lot about. Um, well, you, you're just gathering information from these these different landlords, but also you're you're, you're able to kind of identify trends within this type of information so that's really good yeah i think that's a good data sample mm-hmm. like, that we may be able to look at i was talking about um the text okay so the phone numbers yeah so obviously when you have a facebook account you add you enter your phone number into your account yeah. some people do you have an option to um but if you're renting a room and we connect your facebook with this phone number we could push an advert out in front of your Facebook feed via the phone number, via the phone number, oh, which will be very targeted yeah. marketing. Um, so, you know, as a lot of marketers say that it's not the first time they see your advert when you're going to close the deal. They need to see Second it 10 times. Time, exactly. Yeah. They need mm-hmm. to see it loads of times. So that was going to be another layer of marketing. I wanted to implement to bring on more landlords. Um, but I still got that data, so I will be implementing that anyways. So that's that idea and that concept will be inverted into 
the deal sourcing so there's going to be text marketing all over the united kingdom doing for the deal sourcing like there's loads of um marketing strategies that i'm going to implement and that, that i feel like it's going to work but um long after all of that i didn't necessarily want to be finding rent to rent deals because i knew there were you had to spend money onto these deals to get some cash flow yeah. back um I, all the main reason from doing deal source um, rent to rent was to build cash to invest in properties to, to to buy my own units but now doing these courses and stuff like that i realized that i don't need money to buy any of these properties i could find great investments and find great good investors on jvs and there's loads of other ways that you could raise finance to invest in properties with no money so that's what, that's what my plan is to do to do that um so eventually i was able to hit the big the target i was always trying to hit target on a monthly basis i at this point i left my full-time job and i was able to hit the 10k mark mark um on a monthly basis which was a good position to be in at the stages that i've been going through so what was that feeling like when you left the job Oh, and that, that first day working full time for yourself that was that was that was a weird day actually when i was leaving that that job actually going back to it i was on the last last day i remember being in there with the director um the, the mum of the of the company well the mum and the owner of the company um of, of the guy if that makes sense so it was the son that was managing it <laughs> yeah exactly it was the mom that owns it yeah um and nobody was in he was he was unwell actually so he left early and it was just me and um, his mum in, in office at this point. Bearing in mind, this is at the point where they both merged. They they bought another company out and the, the team grew. So we had another two or three people on the team. So it was a team of six or seven or something like that. Um, on the last, last day, so it was me and the mum. And the mum went to buy some groceries because we were just about to shut. So it was half an hour before we shut in. And then I was looking outside the window thinking, okay, now I'm literally going... Now I'm not going to have a salary. I'm not going to have any money coming in. <laughs> um, and I saw the 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 first agency I was working for, the director. So the son, the guy who said he would mentor me and guide me. And yeah. I thought, oh, wow, that's like kind of weird seeing him. The ones that were kind of managing small hotels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, large hotels. Large hotels. So um, he was there and I saw him and he was there with his son. I was thinking, okay, wow, I could approach him and have this conversation in the time and the type of mindset i've got right this second which was quite nerve-wracking and scary because i've never been able to work full-time for myself and i was always looking forward to it. i was always looking to be full-time for my company i remember that i remember you telling me that <laughs> yeah i do so um that was a good moment that was a good moment that i could look back to and i'm hoping i never need to be working for another company <laughs> again <laughs> yeah um so I was able to build the company up to that. And right now, in terms of what the, what the company is in and the position is in, we're looking to move into deal sourcing. And, uh, and that's because? That's because of the rules and regulations that's come in, the agency fee ban. And um, it's just going to just, you know, reduce the, the margins that we're making. Even though I feel like I'm, I've systemized it well enough to, to let it run on its own now um i am thinking i'm in two minds i'm still thinking am i going to keep that running or not and just outsource all of it completely to vas um in philippines and india so 
not charge any of the landlords any of the money. I mean, sorry, not charge any tenants any of the money and then pretty much double my charges to landlords, which I've already done. Um, so I charge pretty much one month's rent to these landlords for um, to rent their rooms because... To just, make up for the kind exactly, of agency fee exactly. that you're not getting by the tenants. Exactly. So we've systemized it well enough in terms of um, finding these landlords. I've got all of this data for landlords, so I, I know I could find landlords quite easily. So I'm thinking to possibly keep the roomlet side of the business a little bit, maybe phase it out. Um, but it's still generating good cash flow at the moment, so I'm thinking I might as well keep it. But I know the deal sourcing, marketing, and tactics are going to work. I feel quite confident in terms of that's going to work. Um, so how are you in terms of time? Like, how are you balancing going into deal sourcing, but still kind of managing the roomlets? Is, is there more systemizing of it? It is slowly systemizing the entire business. I would work on in the morning on the, on the roomlets a small amount because I'm just trying to really push myself out of it completely. So I don't need to be doing any of it beside a very small amount. Um, and then the deal sourcing, I'm in the stages of, just writing a very intricate business plan in terms of how I'm going to execute everything. Um, and I don't want there to be any loopholes or any ways that we're going to fool or any ways that we're, we're looking to um, make a mistake. So everything from, from A to Z on how, if, when we find a deal, how to, when we find a location, what due diligence are we going to do on the location um, are there multiple exit strategies for our investors? How are we going to find investors, networking events, um, you know, all the social media marketing, online presence? How are we going to find JV partners? How are we going to find people to borrow me money to for loans? Um, and then, you know, how are we going to find deals? Agents, direct to landlords, loads of different marketing tactics in terms of going to write direct to agents, direct to landlords, online marketing, public advertising um letters all of that kind of stuff is going to be implemented and then the process of when we find the deal and um, what type of deal are we going to be looking for rent to rent service accommodation below market value deals um you know are we going to possibly go into commercial units i don't think that's going to happen because i'm not knowledgeable about commercial unfortunately that's something that's going to happen eventually um but then then it's going to go to when we find the deal what's the process um how are we going to close the deal is it is it going to be if it's a rent to rent how are we going to close it is it if it's a below market value like you know i um, get it all in writing send them the documents out in process make sure your investor signs an nda just so they don't go around you and yeah. try to take the deal off of you um have the investor pack in place everything so i want to be looking into it all in fine deal and then, you know, it's all about execution, executing it slowly, slowly.